0: Welcome everyone to episode 11, season one of our Superior Sales Disruption Podcast, which is brought to you by our media partner, Retail World, Australia's premier publication for the grocery and FMCG industry. As will be the case throughout, I am joined by my part comrade, uh, Mr. Mark Troulson. How are you today, Mark?
1: I'm great, Jamie. I'm really looking forward to our interview with Peter seeing his unparalleled experience with some of the most enviable array of FMCG companies, I'm sure our listeners will get many gems.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that, mate. I think uh, we will get some gems out of Peter. Peter's a a lovely guy and uh, uh, certainly from people that have worked uh, under him and and i got the opportunity to work as a third party uh, representing his brands uh, on a few different occasions. And, Look, yeah, he's a, he's a really nice bloke and uh, he really does uh, help and uh, want to truly help people
1: along their career paths. So without further ado, Peter Scott.
0: Well, good morning, everyone. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Peter Scott, the current sales director at Don Smallgoods uh, with us this morning. Uh, good morning, Peter. How are you today? Good, Jamie. How are you? Mate, I'm really well. I'm really well. And uh, we've also got our, uh, our um, long-lost hero down in uh, Melbourne, uh, the good friend of mine, Mark Trulson. Mark, how are you, mate? Uh, you've been a bit crook, uh, little birdie tells me. No, I'm
1: really pumped. I've been in Peru on a, on a project for the last couple of weeks, but uh, great to be back in Melbourne.
0: Fantastic. And uh, look, certainly, uh, Peter, thank you for your time today, mate. We're uh, really looking forward to talking through uh, uh, your journey uh, in, the, in the FMCG game. It's been uh, a certainly one, uh, um, you've travelled uh, uh, certainly some good distances with, with a number of uh, uh, really strong companies, which uh, we're looking forward to hearing some stories from you uh, today. And uh, thank you for being on uh, our Superior Sales uh, Disruption Podcast. My pleasure. So, Mark, you'd normally uh, jump in with uh, look with a great story. We normally like to understand a little bit more about your uh, upbringing, um, Peter. And uh, mate, can you tell us a little bit about where you where you grew up and and where'd you go to school?
1: Yeah, I'm a
2: local Melbourne boy, so I've, I'm born and bred in Melbourne, as, as I tell people. I have travelled a bit, but I seem to come home. Um, yeah, I finished my school at Brighton Grammar. Um, I think the same school you went to, Mark. Is that right? It certainly was, mate. Uh... Only the best go there. Of course we do, yeah. Um, a great school and a school that I, I will say I'm still involved in, so I currently sit on the board of Brighton Grammar as well. Uh, so I really never left school, um, as I say to some people.
1: So from Brighton Grammar, uh, how did your career get started and, and uh, when, when and where did it start?
2: Um, great question, because whilst I am in sales, I actually did start off life as an accountant. So uh, from school, I ended up at Melbourne Uni uh, doing a commerce degree. Um, and from the commerce degree, uh, and back in those days, it was pretty easy. All the big chartered firms used to come to campus and offer you roles. So I ended up uh, working to, going and working for PwC as an auditor, um, which is where I really commenced my career. It's fantastic. Uh,
1: we, ha- we did a podcast with uh, Mark Powell from Lion and he had a similar career start as a commercial man in accounting. Um, I also did uh, economics at Monash and started doing accounting, but uh, failed that miserably. So uh, sales was where I started. Uh, In terms of um, your, I mean, have you got a purpose that you sort of uh, live by or a a why that sort of helps you uh, uh, amplify what you do?
2: Oh yeah. I've probably got a few of those. Uh, You know, you've got to get out of bed every every day and enjoy what you do. And, you know, i think you know it's an old cliche but you really come to you know come to work do the best you possibly can um you know a person i once worked with, worked with said you know uh, uh some people work for the creation of wealth and believe that uh they will get looked after in the distribution of wealth as opposed to some people are always worried about how the wealth is distributed not really about the creation so i'm passionate i like to see success i like to win um and you know as i said come to work to do the best you can
0: Have you found that the, obviously, the accounting background, Peter, is it seems to be really uh, a bit of a, you know, a pre sort of requisite that uh, sales directors today that we're speaking with uh, predominantly uh, have come from an accounting background. And, uh, um, you know, obviously, you started at uh, P Price Waterhouse, I think you were saying, was it? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like what brought you over to the FMCG space, and where was your? Uh, uh, I, th- I think the, there was a Coca-Cola journey way back at the beginning, from what I can. Yeah, there
2: was. So, so there's a couple of things there. Um, look, certainly, definitely, um, you know, in today's world, certainly having a financial background certainly helps in sales environments. It's certainly uh, it's a very different environment. But if I take you right back, you know, doing the audit roles. Um, in the chartered firms uh, as a young kid really gave you an opportunity to actually understand more about business because we're all fairly fresh when you sort of go to school to university and you know i soon learned through you know the clients that i worked on that it was the manufacturing fmcg clients that i actually really enjoyed um you know whether i was an insurance company a bank or a, a government office uh, it just didn't give me the same sort of i just didn't feel the same culture experience enjoyment so um Certainly, a great way to start your business and learn what's going on. Um, and the journey, I, you know, from you know from Melbourne, I ended up going to London and working in a chartered accounting firm in London for a while, and probably got a bit of the travel bug over there. Um, and I ended up getting a job with the Coca Cola company in Atlanta uh, as an internal auditor. So, um, pretty hard to imagine a sales director today was once an internal auditor, but I was. Um, and it was a, another great way to sort of get into, and I suppose an audit may not have been an exciting uh, idea, but working for the Coca-Cola company globally uh, as an incredible organisation um, was certainly an opportunity that I didn't want to turn down at the time and had a great time. You know, it was a fantastic way to, to learn and have that entry into FNCG, um, which you talk about, Jamie.
0: Is there anything specific about obviously, you know, you're working in Atlanta, uh, which is obviously that's Coca-Cola's um, global hub, isn't it? That's the, uh,
2: that is the that is the headquarters, although I, as an internal auditor, I was more responsible for uh, auditing the uh, books operations around the world. So through that role, I got to see, I got, you know, through Europe, I got through South America, got through Asia, a bit of Middle East, and a bit of Africa. Uh, visiting you know coca cola sites around the world, so a uh, great exposure you know i suppose to different lifestyles, different countries, different you know economic situations uh, but all the time there was a really strong theme of that you know incredible marketing consumer orientated focus that the coca cola company is renowned for
1: now <coughs> Peter, you worked with some of the best companies. In Australia, what are some of the key turning points you've had in your career, and how did it go from being an internal auditor to the sales function?
2: Um, great question. Um, look, I, I ended up coming back with Coca Cola to Melbourne, so I, I was uh, heading up the finance team back in the Melbourne bottler. And again, I think it was from the experience that overseas. I really enjoyed the the whole. Uh, consumers and the marketing um, side of the, the coca-cola organization and I was always very keen to get to sales conferences and give the financial spiel but I think you know along the way it was somewhere I really just felt that's where I need to be so I worked and I think you've got to take control of some of these things yourself but I worked very hard within um, the organization to try and get um, sales opportunities and experiences within the coca-cola organization so whenever I could I'd you know, I'd get out on the road with sales reps. I'd do accompaniments. I'd, I'd try and attend customer meetings and just try and understand more and more about the business. Um, it's certainly a side, and the sales commercial side was something I probably preferred in my day to day. As I said earlier on, love to get out of work and enjoy yourself every day. Um, it's certain the commercial side was that.
0: When we we certainly see uh, Peter um, that a lot of uh, again sales directors managing directors ceos we talk about this whole cross functional sort of journey across their career uh, the traditional you know that traditional uh, climb from uh, starting as a merchandiser and ending up as a sales director sh- going in a, a straight line um just doesn't happen um and you know the reality is is that you know you've you've Come from an accounting background. You've seen the seen the light, as we would say, in the sales world. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely saw the light. Saw the light, and I don't know if those uh, those conferences. know uh, yeah, they're a bit of a draw card too. The old um, rocket launches, once you know what we call the, yeah, you know, the, the two-day uh, two-day inspir- inspirational, and a, and normally a good evening to follow. So, uh, um, but uh, you know, it, it does allow you to then you saw where you felt more comfortable and where you really wanted to get into, but you had to actually work at getting yourself across to there. And, and, ha- and how did you do that? Once you come back to, to the, you know, to, to Australia under the Coke banner and, and where did that lead yeah. you to?
2: Um, look, and, uh, you, you definitely have to work for it For anyone looking at, you know, a career. I think there is, you it's, you know, despite the best training and, and uh, high performance and all the other things that companies recognize these days, you do need to work with it yourself. Um, and it's the experiences you talk about, Jamie, that you get along the way. So I also, um, while still in finance, I came, back to, you know, I came back to Melbourne in finance. I actually then, um, with Coca-Cola, I did get to go to Europe and live in Vienna for a few years as well. Um, and again, that was when the Coca-Cola company or Coca-Cola was expanding through Eastern Europe. Um, and again, just a great, a great experience and exposure to different situations. And through that, you know I really touched in some of more, a lot more of the strategy and &;A type activity through that expansion which just broadened that whole commercial perspective um, of what you need to do when you, when you're going forward um, both in your career and what a business needs to go forward um, I did always have a passion though um, for the sales side and I was and you talk about disruption um, you know I did come back to Australia again I did say early on I was a Melbourne boy. I I keep I'm a homing pigeon I keep going back. Um, but I got a great opportunity uh when Coca-Cola started uh their up in their vending business. And I think James Lane also talked about his vending business as well. But um yeah a great opportunity and really a disruption it was it was the vending business was really Coca-Cola taking on retailing through these vending machines everywhere. Um, you know the with again the might of the Coca-Cola company and the investment they are able to make in vending machines. Uh, we were and I we were putting vending machines everywhere in places they hadn't been before. And and really, you know, we used to talk about the Coca-Cola used to say, you know, a Coke with an arm's reach of desire. Um, You know, we were trying to put vending machines where public phone boxes were again, back in the days before mobile phones, but a great, a great commercialism of of an opportunity with an amazing organisation like Coca-Cola to back that advancement of those vending machines. And really for me, my first, you know, entry into true leadership in a sort of more commercial environment um, out of finance. Now,
1: Peter, um, the first time I heard your name was my brother who worked at Schweppes. He said one of the great leaders at Schweppes was uh, yourself being uh, Peter Scott. Uh, what, What's some of your philosophies on building and managing a team and what made my brother Nick uh, think that you're such a good leader?
2: I, I thank Nick for those comments. Look, it's mutual respect to start with. I, I think you you need good communication, you trust. Um I think one of one of I often see one of and I'd almost call this as my problems, I've I've always got i I'm very approachable, so I've always got an open door. So often, you know, work gets done early in the morning or late at night for me, which makes my days longer. But I, I do have a belief that when people have got people need to talk to you about something and they're trying to drive the business. You know, <laughs> often it's a it's a really, you know, a quick ten-minute conversation that can just give them the direction to go away and be more efficient in what they do. Um, so they shouldn't need to make appointments, book appointments, try and do presentations. So I, I very much believe in in that open-door communication and that support function to go forward, um, and treating everyone with respect. You know, people most not most everyone comes to work to do a good job. Um, and if not doing that a, a good job, you need to try and understand why and try and help them. And that might, could be they're in the wrong place in the wrong career, they should be doing something else. Um, but it's, it's that guidance, and that coaching and that communication that goes both ways and involving people and, and certainly treating, as I said before, with that respect um, and, and allowing that that passion, passion for the product and the passion for the business to sort of be filtered down from yourself right through to the team um so you know they really feel inspired to come to work and do a great job
0: yeah, you're right i can definitely testify to that peter you um you yeah, know even not just uh, employees working for you even as a a third party uh which we represented uh you know your um the Swep's brand. When you're uh, at the helm, uh, a sales director for uh, close to 10 years uh, at Superior Salesforce Force, being your field provider, that even as a you know an external company, your door was always open to have those discussions, and uh, and it was always a very fair and um, you know quite quite a you know logical and you know. Um, you know it was easy to have those you know conversations even if they were tough ones at uh, different times in 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 the journey of using a third party you know, party provider so you know, you certainly re, you know demonstrated that in in us working together over those many years but mate what what were some of the you know what were some of your turning points and uh uh, in your career path that you look back on that um you think well you know what i'm I'm, that was a really important turning point and um you know is there any that you you know that you 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 look back on and go hey i should have taken that uh, opportunity or taken that risk
2: look i've had i've i've had a great career i've i've you know, I've enjoyed everything i've done, so you know there's been lots of turning points uh for me, you know certainly as I talked about uh you know the opportunities to 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 travel uh, with coca cola and um, both in the internal role um and you know back in Vienna was fantastic the opportunity that the com- coca cola gave me um to move into Vienna and commercialize that role was fantastic um, the opportunities that I then got um through the Cabri Swips organization um with you know the I suppose the integration of the Pepsi business, um, and I did spend some, some time, you know, out of commercial, out of sales, back into sort of more strategy work with Cadbury Schweppes for a while. Um, some of the M and A work that um, certainly Cadbury Schweppes organisation were doing, and and the opportunities that, again, that gave to meet different types of people again through you know merchant banks and lawyers to sort of give you another perspective on life. Um, sort of just gave me more, you know, life's a continual learning exercise. So just, I learned, you know, more and more and more things about how to go forward. And I think, Jamie, you talked about, you know, the open door but the tough conversations. You might as well have a conversation with someone and let you know where you stand. Otherwise, everyone's wasting their time. So, you know, I'm not sure if they're tough conversations, but you've actually got to state, you know, is this going to work or not going to work? And, yes, there's always going to be some negotiation and things, but, you know, if you're too far apart, um, you might as well both shake hands and say farewell and disappear from then. Um, no, absolutely. You know, absolutely, go your own way. So, yeah, no, definitely, um, not. And, and certainly, um, you know, from you know Cabri Sweps into Murray Golden um, was a, just a fantastic opportunity uh, for me as well. Uh, and I, you know, I did get the sales director in the Sweps organisation following separation. Um, I got sorry, after should backtrack about after the. After doing some MA and strategy with Cadbury Sweeps, I did get my first break um, to lead the independence team um, at Cabri Sweps, which really, you know, my first true, um, uh, you know, sales, you know, pure sales role um, and ultimately ended up uh, as I became the sales director of Sweps after the separation with Cabri and then went on to be the sales director of Murray Goldman, um, which was probably the most, um, you know, exciting job I've had For what we achieved in the dairy industry, and admittedly, you know, it's probably got some of the lows towards the end. But um, the moving into the to a a commodity-based product at the time that the retailers were really, you know, really fighting pretty hard. And you know, the realization for me that I I then had to take through the organisation was, you know, this private label piece, which. Coming out of big brand of businesses like Coca-Cola and Cadbury Swips, um, you know, private label was sort of probably in, you know, my DNA was sort of the no-go zone. But when you actually took a, a helicopter view at the market and saw what was going on, um, the way to participate and, and be successful to, was to collaborate and work better with the retailers and listen to what their strategies are about and what their strategies needed to be and, and how we could fulfill those. Um, and sort of through those ideas that Murray Golden, you know, and myself and the sales team had yeah, a lot of success um, and great relationships um, through the trade and and really you know, developed Murray Goldman, which was already the biggest dairy producer in the country, into sort of an even bigger organisation, um, unfortunately, yeah. until the fall of the dairy industry.
0: Yeah, that obviously, um, that was a, a challenging time at the back end there, which I'm sure you'll be able to share a little bit with uh, shortly. So Peter, um, could you tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, in terms of, uh, sales disruption, uh, you've been, you know, are the head of a number of very large sales and merchandising companies and, uh, as the sales director, Mate, what are some of the, the real, um, disruptive programs or brand launches that you can recall in your, you know, your tenure over the, over the last, uh, you know, over the last number of years, uh, um, on, on a particular product launch and and or a disruptive moment uh, that you can remember back in, in your career path.
2: I've got to test the memory here. Um, look, I've been there've been lots of things that have, have gone on when you think about you know brands that have, and launches that are coming through the market. So, um, you know probably energy drinks would be the big one uh, if you think in my beverage days. Um, you, you know, the launch of you know Red Bull and Frukor's V. Sort of left, you know, the 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 Cadbury Swipses and the Coca Colas of the world sort of, uh, you know, way behind um, uh, as far as reading the market and where that was going. Um, they soon caught up, but they sort of certainly were in catching you know, those. So, you know, there has been some uh, amazing disruptors, and probably that's those sort of things were probably early signs for what some of the stuff has happened today. Was with you look at e-commerce and you know, some of the trends and some of the new products that can get to market today um, are a lot quicker than sort of some of the traditional products that we we played with.
1: Uh, what I'm really intrigued by is just what, you, what the comment you just made then is that energy was was sort of the turning point for me that it wasn't about how big you were. Um, you know, before energy, you know, Coca-Cola and Schweppes just dominated the market. But energy sort of showed that, in, you know, incumbents... Didn't necessarily have the disruptive muscle. Um, how did you feel, you know, being at a company like Schweppes and and seeing some of these other companies really thrive with disruptive entrance into the market?
2: It's it's a it's a really good question, Mark, and I think it's changed you know the way we think about the markets today because I think back then there was a view that it was a fad product that would come and go, um, and and. Big companies were still pushing their own barrow and would believe they'll drive in the market. Whereas, again, as I said, with the internet, you know, the consumer choice is far greater now. And unless you're tapping into what the consumer needs are, you know, consumer insights and things. Consumer insights was not a word that was probably used, you know, 20 years ago um, by suppliers. We're now really looking at what's going on. Where's, where's the market? What's the consumer want? And how, how, can, how can we tap into those needs? And what are they? Um, yeah, you know, energy was a, a completely new phenomenon that, you know, as we said, left everyone surprised. And the growth, and it's not just the growth that it was getting, it was people asking for it. So um, you know, retailers, you know, milk bars, takeaway shops, they were asking for it. It didn't require the rep to be calling and trying to get the order. The people were actually ringing up and asking for it, which was just a state of play that we really hadn't seen in the market before then.
1: So, Peter, you also talked about um, the relationship with retailers. Now, you're one person I can think of who's held senior positions from a uh, manufacturing point of view and also a retailer's point of view. So give us uh, a perspective of the differences you saw, A, from a manufacturing point of view, and then when you went to work for Coles.
2: To be successful in a, in a, as a supplier these days, you've really got to understand the retailer's strategies and what they're doing and where they're going. I talked earlier about the growth of private label. And as much as, you know, branded players didn't like it, um, the share of shelf uh, is controlled by the retailers and they've got their strategies. Um, And their strategies are not Australian Australians, they're global strategies And you look around the world. So they're following global strategies and they were trying to put, you know, better products on the shelf for Australian consumers. So this comment about, they're looking at they're looking at the consumer needs and they're trying to fill that. And so, for a, from a supplier's point of view, um, you need to actually you need to have a look what was going in the market, understand it, and work with them. And yes, you know, so I know there was a lot of noise around what Australian retailers did over you know, the last few years with pricing, but it was their strategy. They didn't make they were, they had forums, they talked about it, they were very open and honest about uh, what they were looking for. Um, and for suppliers, it was a need. To, to flow, uh, to follow that, um, to work effectively and collaborate with them and work with them, to deliver that. And the suppliers that did that found they had a lot of success. The suppliers that pushed against that probably weren't so successful. Um, you know, for me, yes, I did have, um, I did move across to Coles for, for a year. Um, a, a great learning, a great experience. Um, and I suppose for me, um, it, it was it was it was a lot more different than I expected it to be, um, having from supply side. Um, you know, the cut and thrust of the weekly sales that they work through, um, the amount of data they've got at their exposure, the, the number of people that are pushing the barrow was. Was pretty amazing. They're, they're big. They're big. They're, well, Coles is a big organisation. I presume the other retailers are, are as big, and they would have very similar dynamics inside. But it certainly gave me. Um, it was a great learning. It was a great experience. Um, you know, and I, all retailers are great companies. Um, but it was it was something that I'm glad I did. But I'm certainly much happier on supplier side, uh, getting back over to this side with working with a product and trying to create create the demand for, as a supplier rather than create the demand as a
1: retailer. Did moving over to Coles sort of change your sort of opinion on the relationship between supplier and retailer?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested um, in this one. N- not at
2: all. Um, I, it's, we need to partnership and we need to work together. Um, and to be honest, the retailers want to work with suppliers as much as suppliers will want to work the retailers, and again, you know, some of the early comments about you know you've got to make the statements, you've got to make the, you've got to stand strong, you've got to, you've got to get into a, a situation where you both understand each other's needs. But working together is something, um, and I certainly saw it from Coles. You know, they want to work with suppliers. You know, they, but by the same token, they have got their strategies. So you need to work. With them, and you know, right through you know Swips and you know Murray Goldman, we certainly you know worked well um, with all the retailers um, by listening to their strategies and trying to deliver what they wanted and understanding what they needed and where you know where are their frustrations and and how do they you know what do they need to help them be successful. Um, so, I, I, in answer to your question, I didn't see a lot of that difference. I think it's the pressures are different from either side um, and where you play. Um, but the, the ultimate game at the end is, is very much the same.
1: Um, I suppose asking it in a different way. Now that you've worked with Coles for, say, a year and you've gone back now to, say, Don's a sales director, how would you approach working with a retailer differently now that you've had an insider view of how the, you know, the mechanics work? A lot of the insights that I probably learnt from
2: Coles I probably had already, and you know it comes back to exactly the same question: understanding where they are. It's probably the engagement within the organisation. Um, it's got to be bigger than the the just the the buying team or the commercial team. Um, probably a need to involve not just and not just a front end of the business. It's not just the the front end or the sales side of a supplier. It's actually to get other people within the supplier organisations involved with other people in the organisation um, of the retailers, you know, it, it's just not a—it's not a sort of a little tip of a point that the two connect through the sales team. You know, there's so many areas to work better together, to be more efficient, um, that you need to include your supply chain. It's great to get your marketing people in front of them to, you know, make sure you know our insights and our consumer thoughts are aligned to what products we're bringing to market. You know you can do the best marketing plans in your organization if you take them to the retailer and the retailer says well that 's not what we 're thinking then you 've wasted your time so I think my learning my learning i don 't think my my ideas probably haven 't changed, but my learning is to probably work harder at getting my new organization uh, involved at different levels within uh, the retailers. I
0: was very particularly interested in that one peter because um You've softened me up a bit, mate. You've softened me up a bit here. I, I I'm, I'm, You know, I'm, I look at these Coles and Woolies, mate. They've really, you know, you you're being quite nice to them there, which obviously uh, you've still got strong relationships. But they're, they're, they've, they've caused and they have created a lot of challenge to manufacturers. They've caused challenge in terms of, uh, you know, their marketing programs. They've caused challenge at the infield level, at the store level, Um Committing to things that don't get delivered, and um, but it's good to hear that they, uh, you know, you feel that there is a they're trying to work towards the same goal. Yeah, I,
2: yeah, I think. They don't yeah. speak that all the time. I think I think you're being harder than I, I, you know, they've tried to move the move the the thought process among suppliers. They've followed global trends, um, and yeah, it's probably been tough. It's been as tough for them as it's been for suppliers, to be honest, to get there. Um, but they're in a competitive environment. You know, they're working. Against their competitors, it's, they've got they've got global insights, um, and again, it comes right back to you know maybe what Mark said about Nick, you know, open communication, trust, you know, talk to each other and find out where you want to go, um, because everyone's trying to be successful, and uh, you know, the, the the easiest path for everyone to be successful will make it more successful it's a great challenge. And if the retailers put the challenge on suppliers, suppliers need to, at some point you've got to say, we can't do that. Um, But if working, and again, this is this different levels of the organization. If there's areas that you can do things differently, then let's identify them. But clearly no, no one, no one's expected to lose money. Um, Yeah. So, but have, have that dialogue and and have that dialogue and make sure we fully understand where we are, where we are. For sure. Mate. Well,
0: take a little bit of a different tact here Pete talk to us about that and I'm just going to let everyone know that uh Peter only got his questions about 10 minutes before our podcast today so I I I jumped him I jumped him with a few so uh it's probably why he's been a bit uh uh finding a bit hard but um it's always better to hear the things raw you know right what first comes to your head Peter is, is is what I know our listeners are after and uh and and that's what we really enjoy to deliver is is just the genuine um, stories of 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 the journeys of people like yourself. Sure. But who were who sure. some yeah. of your mentors, mates? So you you've definitely worked with some uh, some charismatic people over the time. I uh, uh, I, I I'm going to call out a particular incident uh, which I was uh, I remember very very uh, fondly that. Uh, uh, I was in a meeting, one of my first meetings with you guys at Sweeps and I think you were the sales director, you were the sales director at the time. There was uh, Mr. Wallace, who's the, the marketing director. There was uh, Kevin Radcliffe and, um, and David Begley. I uh, wasn't real happy that we were in the room that day and uh, it was, I'm sure you would have learned some stuff off David over the times and any other mentors that you had uh, along that along journey so far.
2: Uh, yes, certainly, certainly I've learned, look, if I go right back to the beginning, I, you know, in my childhood days, um, you know, uh, there was a, a partner that, you know, as, as a young kid sort of took me out and sort of learned, you know, the the, the work ethic I got from uh, this particular partner was that he, you know, he didn't mind taking the team out for dinner and, and doing things, but it was always, you know, there's no such thing as a free meal. So, you know, I don't care what we do tonight, but you be at work in the morning. Um, and I suppose some of that, that culture that's rubbed off from him is that, you know, that work hard, um, a work hard, pl- work certainly hard. came from him.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you have to play
2: out all the time, but if you did play hard, just make sure you turn up in the morning. And, and I, I still remember it. And he was, you know, he was really strong. in sort of the talk about, you know, and you know, we were doing some audits sometimes that went quite late at night, but you know, the job has to be finished. Um, and you've got to be here and this is, this is your commitment to the role. So, you know, probably, uh you know, I, that was probably one of my very early men, mentors. Um, I was really lucky enough when I lived in Vienna um, to do a, bit, a fair bit of work with uh, Mukhtar Kent, who was at that stage working for CCA, but later became the head of the Coca-Cola company. Um, you know, his 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 passion for perf- to be perfect and to get it right um, sort of probably always inspired me as the work, and I still remember one. He had to come back to Australia for a presentation. We actually went into work on a Saturday afternoon to help him get that presentation ready, and we, you know, rehearsal after rehearsal and practice after practice. I think we drove home at four o'clock in the morning on Monday morning after arriving there on Saturday afternoon, and, you know, again, you know, he, and he, you know that what you talk about, what Nick said about me, yeah, you know, his willingness to be quite open with you, and he was with us the whole time. You know, he didn't he didn't come in and say, guys, I need this presentation to be perfect, you know, I'm coming back on Monday morning, finish it. He stayed with us, he practised it He rehearsed it. It was his presentation he had to deliver and he had to know it was right. So um, certainly really um, appreciated him. Had a lot of great mentors, um, you know, through the Coke company, uh, you know, particularly those um, that helped me get into sort of different aspects of my career. And again, with Cabri Swips, you know, as you said, talked about, you know, some of the people that have supported me, um, to get different roles in the organization and as I said earlier on, you've got to you know, my view is you've got to talk to people, you've got to tell the business what you wanna do. Um, but it's not it's just not it doesn't come it's not a give me. You've got to get in there and prove what you can do it and and create those relationships and, and find those people that can help you get there. So I've been really lucky to have those sort of people that have sort of helped me move through, you know, finance, through MA, through strategy um, and finally into sales, which is where I am now and I and I absolutely love
1: so knowing what you know now, if you, if you were starting again, what sort of advice would you give yourself if you were say a 25 year old coming into the industry afresh? Yeah, Mark, look, you know, I'm one person
2: that, uh, I look back on my career and say I've had a fantastic time. I've, I'm not sure I would do much differently. Maybe I should have, you know, not gone into finance in the early days and gone straight to sales. But that's where I love it. But then I'm not sure. I'll, that would help me with some maybe the skill set i learned through some of those things i did in the, in the sales role um probably what you know my my advice to people is as i with it you know if you're not enjoying what you're doing or um you know you've got to go and look for something else because you'll never be you'll never be good at what you do unless you get out of bed in the morning and go i'm looking forward to a fantastic day at work today we spend a lot of time at work um I am results driven. I am results orientated, and you can't do that if you're not if you're not enjoying what you're doing. So, uh, the answer is I probably wouldn't do much different. Um, you know, I've I've had a great time and a great ride.
0: And in that ride, then um, mate, would you say uh, now that you looking back, uh, you know, as a twenty, you know, if you're looking at a twenty five year old today, and they're looking for looking up to wanting needing mentors as well are you finding that you know in the last few years that you've you've had the opportunity to to give back through um you know mentoring some young kids that are going on to bigger and better positions in in the uh, fmcg space now
2: yeah certainly um you know certainly i've spoken to quite a few people about and you know as you you and i jamie have often spoken about the people that sort of want to get to the top straight away um it is a journey it is about gaining different experiences um, and you know quite often that might take sideways steps in the organization um, but you know take them as a positive you know if the organization is willing to sponsor you into other roles and whether it's you know whether it's between route and grocery businesses or whether it's in supply chain experience or marketing experience, um, you should grab those um, and you should work at them because it is a bit of a snake in your career um, you do move along a bit and you, you go up a little bit, but you know, there's usually a couple of sideways moves um, and find that, and you learn and you find out where you, you know, what you don't know by doing some roles that you can use elsewhere in your business or you might find there's something like I did, you know, moving into finance or sales. I'm actually in, that, in a whole area that I enjoy much more than uh, the finance days.
1: And so, I mean, you talk about your love of being a sale, in the sales and particularly being a sales director. Have you seen the role of being a sales director change over so the last five to 10 years?
2: Definitely. It's definitely become, um, you know, it's, if, you, if I think back through you know, my early days even when I was in finance and looked at the sales teams, it was more about, you know, order taking. And it was organisations, you know, shoveling their products to consumers I think from, from here right through, there's much more engagement with the marketing teams to understand what consumers need. There's far more engagement with um, the customer to find out what the customer needs are and how we're going to work together to get things done. Um, and look, at, you know, in, for me, working with both Coca-Cola and Kerry Swips, they're both fairly powerful organisations uh, in front of the, the retailer, but today, you know, the to be, continue to be more powerful and as powerful as they've got to negotiate, they've got to communicate, they've got to collaborate, they've got to do a lot more things with the retailer um, and understand what the retailer strategies are or the customer strategies, it's not just retail, it's right across the whole food service uh, and route businesses as well. You, it's, it's a very different role um, because there's more people involved. And, you know, as Jamie alluded to earlier, things are tighter, things are tougher, you know, it's not, there's, It's not as easy as it used to be. So you've got to work differently.
1: So you you talked about working with your marketing colleagues. Um, One of the common themes that we've seen over this podcast series one is that, you know, there is a challenge for sales and marketing to be joined at the hip. Are you noticing that as a challenge? And if so, what are you doing to ensure that there is alignment?
2: I think there's a there's a role of a sales director and a marketing director to work together to calm down that noise. It, it's probably no you know everyone likes to blame someone else. Everyone likes to say something didn't happen. It's very hard to bring new products to market. You know if if, if we if we think about what new successful new products that come to market, you know most stuff's range extensions. There's not a lot of true. Um, innovation in products; therefore, it, you know it's activity-based. It's the commercials. It's the things that might bring the consumer to products. It's it's not that easy, um, and we've all got, everyone's got their own ideas of what you could do. Um, but again, for me as a sales director and working closely with the marketing directors, to calm down the noise. So if you know if the sales team are getting upset about things, to actually just bring bring it back to reality. And again, that communication make sure they understand what is being worked on. Uh, you know yeah sure there's delays, but you know they're not good, but they happen. We rather get it right than wrong so um, there is there's a there is a need to work again it's this collaboration as I said work together, calm it down, and deliver the result for the organization We're all one team
1: Have you seen a, a formal process as a way of being able to ensure that alignment takes place
2: um yeah, definitely, um, and even right through the Cadbury Swept days, you know there was there was regular, um, you know, meetings, um, off-site meetings between sales and marketing, where marketing would talk about the plans, and the sales guys would talk about how they would execute them in the marketplace. Um, you know, certainly followed similar plans through at Murray Goldman, and certainly here at Don, we're sort of working very closely with the marketing team on on where they're at and and their products. So. Um, again, it, it's, it is leadership. It is it, it you know it is the marketing director and the sales director making sure they they're aligned in their thoughts and they work with their teams together to bring it together.
0: Well, Peter mate, uh, look, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to catch up on today's podcast. Um, you've got a uh, normally we ask uh, um, sort of as a bit of a wrap up. Well, you know what's what's next for for Peter Scott and and uh, and and what do you see as your next journey? But You've obviously just commenced uh, your new role at, uh, at Don's and uh, um, you know, I'm sure that you're going to uh, um, take them to uh, the next levels and, uh, and with the challenges of the, of the marketplaces and, and, and the retailers, um, you know, be able to uh, help take them to uh, new heights as well. So, uh, um, mate, I really appreciate your time. Mark, have you got any, uh, anything to close out that you want to ask Peter before we uh, wrap up?
1: No, no, it's all good, mate. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much, Peter.
2: No, thank you. And yes, you're right, Jamie. I'm uh, really excited to be here at Don. Um, and I'm looking forward to... This is the next evolution in my career. So I'm looking forward to creating some successes in this organisation.
0: Well, we look forward to watching them as you uh, progress uh, and and take the team and their, and their brands to uh, to those levels. So, uh, again, Peter, thank you very much for your time, mate. Uh, so, uh, um and uh, you yeah, know we 'll um, be speaking to our next uh, disruptor uh, next week, and uh, thank you very much for tuning in we 'll uh, speak to you soon okay
2: yeah. thanks jamie thanks
0: mark well Mark uh, mate that was uh, a really good journey with uh, peter um, i I must say that um, it was great to to catch up and hear a little bit more about his backstory uh, i 've known Peter for a number of years, but didn 't really understand uh, enough about his sort of uh, his financial background so mate uh, now, what were your key takeouts from today's uh, podcast, mate? Right?
1: Well, I think, you know, uh, I think Peter has a real willingness to take a risk. You know, he's, he's traveled to a lot of different continents and countries. And, you know, he was, you know, when he started sales or if he was in as an accountant, he was willing to route ride with the sales reps. You know, I think his commercial savviness has really set him up. You know, he was in mergers and acquisitions and he really... Uh, drove strategy at a number of different companies, and I think he comes across as, you know, what uh, Jim Collins would say is a level five leader, and that he's humble, but but he's very effective, and and I think you know his continual, you know, journey of wanting to learn more has, has put him in good stead. Uh, what about yourself,
0: mate? I, I, I think certainly uh, our listeners can take away from uh, from Peter, um, you know, Listening to listening to his people, having an open door policy, I think it's uh, really important to to give certainly staff members that are is is urgent for them at the time. Um, you know, might not be so urgent for you, but you've got to give them that time. You've got to give them the opportunity uh, to be able to you know to approach you. Um, look, I definitely think his mentors. I think his mentors uh, stood out as definitely gave him some. Uh, uh, belief and confidence uh, in his in his you know, younger younger career path, and uh, which he's taken into full stead into into the senior leadership roles that he now holds. And um, you know the other one, uh, which was an interesting one, he's given me a little bit to think about in terms of the yeah you know, the insider view of a retailer and uh, and the working together mentality. Um, yeah, I, I unfortunately do feel that you know Coles and Woolies, particularly being the behemoths uh, in the grocery space, have been quite. a... You're yeah, quite tough on, on manufacturers and, and suppliers. And, uh, but look, that may be uh, loosening. And, and, and at the end of the day, you've got to have both uh, working together. Otherwise, uh, it's, not a, it's just not going to be attainable. And um, obviously, the emergence of other players in that space as well. So uh, they're the, the key things I think our listeners could take away from my point of view. So, look, I'd, I'd really like to thank our guest, uh, Peter Scott. Uh, it was great to catch up with him today.
1: That we couldn't have done it without the production expertise of young gun blake labina
0: many thanks as always goes to the hard work from our creative partner Aunt uh, ant may from ant designs uh, sydney's leading digital agency and website providers so uh look next week uh, we are hearing from um and and certainly a, a icon within uh, in the fmcg space which uh, i'm sure you're going to enjoy uh uh, hearing from and um and and her backstory to where uh, her journey started so uh i'm looking forward to that
1: i'm really looking forward to it as well mate so till next week